Good afternoon, everybody, although it might not be afternoon when you come to listen to my podcast. This afternoon, I am sitting in my little house on the hill above the village of Lucito, which I will cover in another episode. There is a grey sky today. It's not a beautiful Molise blue sky, which is a very typical blue. Today, there are some clouds sitting across the sky, some grey clouds that stretch right across the valley and over the mountains in the distance. What I'm going to talk to you about today is another town which is fairly near the sea, not fairly near the sea, in fact, on the sea. And this is Campo, Campo Morino. Campo Morino is very, probably the biggest or one of the biggest next to Termoli of the seaside towns actually in Molise and it is uh, absolutely heaving in the summer with tourists, uh, holiday makers, mostly Italian who come here to spend the summer by the beach. Many have houses here, many have uh, apartments and spend a month or more by the sea. It's It's spread out and I have to say, although I don't want to be disparaging, it's not the most beautiful of towns, but it is a little bit, let's say, very spread out and and the centre is difficult to define. But don't let that put you off. There's a lot to see there. And whether you're a sun seeker and want to head for the beach or you want to explore some of the other aspects of the area is certainly worth going to see if you're in Molise. Now, in terms of Molise, as I said, it's one of the principal seaside towns if you don't include Termoli, which is, of course, the, one of the one of the biggest towns in the region. First of all, let's so let, the moment we're talking about Campo Marino, it's, it's a... It's a not a very quiet time. Now, obviously, this time of year it would be, as I said, in the summer it's heaving. It does have a fairly fairly large piazza, um, which has been modernised. Um, and when I talk a little bit more about the town's history, you'll understand what that means, because obviously, although the town does have ancient, ancient roots in common with every single town and village here in Molise virtually at the moment what you'll see in the town there is very little to see that is ancient. What are the most interesting things in terms of its ancient origins then is the fact that it um, you can you can if you go to the very very borders of the town you will see what does remain of a um, of a Roman of a Roman port which was on the Biferna River, um, which led into the Adriatic Sea. So this, of course, is exceedingly important, although there's very little, if not anything, to be seen of that now. But it's just important to know that it's there. Um, So also, too, um, because it does, as I said, it goes back to Roman times, on one side of the town as well is actually a... a, um, Ruin is are some ruins that are really old. I mean, we're talking Bronze Age, late Bronze Age or early Iron Age, and that there are there is a little of those that can be seen. So we are really talking about going back a long, long time here. So then again, 
talking more about the town. As I said, there's a little bit, there was once a Roman port. And then the rest of the history then, we start to link in again with the Albanians. And this has, the town has very strong connections with the, with the, with the, with um, the Albanians who, who traditionally inhabited the town and in fact still do. As the name might suggest, as I like to tell you the origins of the names of all these towns and villages I talk about, Campo Morino means camp by the sea. The inhabitants are called, and please excuse my, my Italian here because my dialect is not going to get this right, is Campo Marinese. Uh, but I won't get that right because my dialect is certainly not up to it. Because I, they, um, if, we, if we jump from the Bronze Age and the Iron Age settlement to the 12th and 13th century, the, the, found, the, the, the town was started to build up then, um, but it was devastated in 1456, as much as southern Italy was by a massive earthquake, and it was actually pretty much reduced to a pile of rubble. About 10 years after that, Albanian refugees repopulated the town, but they, although they were initially driven out by the Turkish, they did return and make it their home. And this wonderfully unique group of people did put their own brand on the town, which you, which you can see in some of the areas of the town. And this will be, this is the same as I mentioned, Kolekrocha, um, in Gracovitli Kolekrocha. There are very distinctive points that can be seen when you've got the Albrecht, um, influences and some are here they're quite clear there's a lot in the town that can still be seen and these are very distinctive two-story flat roof buildings with external external staircases and open gallery gall galleries i'm sorry so near the sea um the customs some of the albanian customs still do continue today and there are some recipes that that uh, are included in my recipe book too so um, Campomarino wasn't a very quiet place for a long time. Um, battles raged for many years, the Albanians fighting under their prince. There was battles at Blood Lake with the Greeks and then destroyed several times by various barbarian invasions. Campo managed to rise eventually and eventually became, very importantly, a centre of, of, of great importance. And the other thing about about Campomino too, which fascinates me as I'm as I'm um, I think my interest in in Molesian history began when I bought my house here. I've mentioned in one of the previous blogs, and I I bought it. It sits on one of the trattori, which is the shepherd's routes, and one of the trattori also this is a different one the one i live on stretches to along the coast here um and does pass by campo marino and this this was this is a path that snakes its way from l'aquila to foggia crossing mountains and rivers and would have once witnessed to the biannual transumanza which was when they took animals from mountains down to the valleys and then back up um obviously down to Puglia and then back up into the mountains again in the winter so but then this this obviously went on for hundreds of years and that'll be mentioned in the chapter that's devoted entirely to the stories of the trattori so jumping forward hundreds of years from from the um, Trattori, we're going to look at what Campo Marino meant in the Second World War. It played a very important role there as it did have an airfield 
um, and was part of a whole string of airfields that, that were under the direction of Foggia. Um, this one was, there is a, although there's nothing really to be seen of the airfield now, there is woodland behind the beach really, which is behind where these, where the road still runs that was part of the, part of the airfield. And this is called the Lungo Mare degli Aviatore, Avatore, Lungo Mare degli Avatore, and this is the pilot's seafront. And I think, I think even in the fact that they kept that name is very important. It means it's an important, means that they realised the importance of that in their history. And they certainly, the people certainly made the American air crews very, very um, welcome there. Um, I've heard, I heard a story recently where it suggests that a lady stood from the village, stood on a crossroads um, on the outskirts of the town when the Americans um, were driving through shortly after the liberation there from the Germans and she kissed the hand of every soldier who passed by that day, literally. And according to this, this story, she didn't miss one. And how beautiful a story that is, how, how grateful she was to, to that. Not to be disparaging, of course, to the Germans either, who whose role was very sadly played a part in that time too but since obviously um things have changed such a lot since then um now going on again um we're going to just talk a step back again so we're jumping and forwards here across hundreds of years we're looking at the seats of worship which are very common of course are common across a catholic country like italy and in every town and village there are at least several churches the first one we'll look at in in um, Campo Marino, very aptly named again, is called Santa Maria by the Sea. Santa Santa Maria al Mare. How beautiful is that? And this was this was built in the 12th and 13th century, and then restored a bit later. And there's a fresco depicting Saint Nicholas and Saint Demetrius, and it's worth it just to look for that because they're quite they are quite beautiful. It's quite a beautiful fresco. Here too proudly, obviously the most significant thing in the church here, are the relics, or so it's claimed, the relics of Santa Christina, or Saint Chris, of Saint Christina. Um, and also a very handsome statue of her. <laughs> the story of her relics are, are, quite, are quite funny, or not funny, but, but quite troubled really. She was apparently a young girl of 11 who became, who became a Christian, much to the disgust of her father Urbanus. He beat her senseless, mercilessly tortured her. Um, and then he handed over to authorities who tortured her further, following which they chucked her in prison and chained her up. But she was supposedly healed by the angels. And then her captors, seething with anger, they're seeing that she survived, slung her into the lake with a stone round her neck. Astonishingly, the angels came to her rescue and she survived even this. And so, with completely their eyes full of wrath, they stabbed her to death savagely with with spears in front of their eyes and Saint, Saint Christina was no more. So legends then, according to her final resting place, still cause consternation. Apparently she resides not only in Palermo Cathedral, but also in a place called Toffia, where she's interned in a transparent urn. But the Campo Marini, Campo Marinesi people claim she rests in their church. And 
rumours even suggest that she was lugged to Palestine in the Crusades, the poor thing. And according to as part of that legend, it's supposed that the Campo Marinese took hold of the of these relics grabbing them back off the off the, off the um, Knights Templar soldiers um, at Sepino and finally brought her back to her resting place which they claim is now in the church. They have a festival celebrating her life every year and this spans three days. The festivals here should not be missed and this will be the 23rd, 24th and 5th of July and they very important to come into. Come with all the all the religious festivals here. A large statue and often the relics too. The saint are carried very precariously around the town in a procession. In a procession, and these aren't to be missed. Although I always feel would I have taken part in a few, and I always feel extremely worried that it's going to be me that's going to slip and see the tall marble statue crashing to the floor. But I haven't seen it happen yet. But I'm sure it does occasionally. So not to be missed. And of course, there's every festival. There's not only the procession, there's also food and drink and dancing and music, which wouldn't be a festival in Italy if that wasn't the case. Here in Campo Marino too, there's also a market on those three days. So you can you can go along, you can go along and buy all kinds of, 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 of knickknacks and relics and, uh, not relics, and, 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 and gifts. So, um, there's another church in actually in Campomino too, and this is the Church of the Holy Spirit. It's a modern church, um, which but the impact inside, if you do get a chance to go inside, is worth a glimpse because its stained glass windows are quite sensational, and they really do seem to breathe light into this randomly shaped church. So do take a glimpse if you pass by. If you're not a sunseeker but a nature lover, although you might not be, you um, you might obviously want to spend some time by the coast there, which I didn't actually go on to mention. But but the 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 seaside aspect of, of Campo Marino, the actual centre itself is full filled with bars and restaurants and a selection of shops where we've got everything you need for your se- the seaside from bikinis to, to sun cream so you won't go you won't be able to find those things if you need them. And all the fruit and vegetables and all the nice things that you generally have to eat here in Italy, including of course ice cream. But if you if you're interested in the wildlife here, there are some there definitely something remains of the sand dunes here, and also some little areas of forest. Although although they aren't um, they are fairly large, but they're not easy to access. And unfortunately, lots of rubbish have been dumped in a lot of them, so they're not as beautiful as they perhaps could be. But they're certainly worth worth hanging a look at if you have a walk. If you want to walk and you walk away from the beaches, if you uh, certainly in the evening, you can walk along, along long stretches of beach or early in the morning, which are deserted and not even those that belong to the bars. So you will get tremendous um, variety of, of, of shells, certainly tremendous selection of shells. I've picked up hundreds and hundreds there. Uh, two as well, fairly nearby, much to my absolute delight and fascination, are a few Herman tortoises, which are a tiny breed of tortoises um, that can still be found in this part of Italy, although you won't find those near the coast. Just a short distance away, though, apparently. There's also porcupines, too, still in this area, although, again, not quite so close to the coast. And very occasionally, there's a few sea turtles lay their eggs on, on the beaches nearby. But 
unfortunately you are rare and to see those but you may because they do from time to time and that again is hugely exciting dolphins are occasionally seen too leaping gregarious along this coast and that's never a sight to ignore no matter where you come from because dolphins are seen to be so much fun don't they um the, the, it's easy to swim in the beach on the beaches here because it's a huge expanse of sandy beach. The water is rarely cold. From those of you that come from Britain, like me, you're used to where you're used to cold, crashing seas like the Atlantic and the North Sea. Certainly not. The Adriatic is not the case. Beaches are safe to, to swim in. They all all the beach bars have to have a lifeguard there in the summer months when they're open so it means it's safe bathing for for you and for children as well if you're into that getting back to nature because i got distracted as you know i tend to do there's also the dunes as to, uh, dunes sand dunes too and these support a wild range of flora and fauna um some of that this too the flora is becoming increasingly rare and last but not least as where would be anywhere without mentioning it is food uh, and because you're on the border here of um, one of the one of the biggest of that's the biggest wine producing area in Molise um, is this coastal region where you've got a, a lot of very local wines and you'll be able to see the vines stretching out across the hillsides as you as you drive down to the coast. There are food and drink recipes here too, which are very local. Apparently there's one called Agnello Almenta, which is obviously lamb with mint. I haven't tried it, um, but I will put it in my recipe book. I can't guarantee what it's like. There, should, there are also some um, traditional Albanese recipes too, which I'll put in my book, but I'm for, at the moment I've not discovered them, but I certainly will try to. And of course, I mentioned ice cream. You can't go anywhere in Italy without trying ice cream, can you? Campo Marino is is certainly worth visiting if you like the seaside. And I think in season, it does get very busy. There are a lot of choice of beaches. And if you drive along the, the Lungo, um, Lungo Mare di Aviatore, you will pass dozens of them and it's you can literally choose to rent a deck chair and stretch yourself out to bathe in the sun on a, in an afternoon bake in the sun if you like with an umbrella um, and eat, eat whatever you want at the, at the bars if you're not into that as I said there is stuff to explore and it's worth it um, certainly then to drive on to one of the other places and look outside there's 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 a couple of hamlets on the outside of of Campo Marino but I'm actually going to talk about those in another pod podcast too because they have so much to offer the one of the things that i do love love about italy too and i think i might have mentioned that before is is the food and drink here not because i'm a foodie i'm definitely not but the um, the the fruit that's available here in the summer i absolutely adore watermelons and um here in the summer down by the coast here they are so cheap and so delicious and obviously if you're into your health kick a very much tastier and healthier alternative to ice cream uh, but but I suppose I can't put those of the you love ice cream off off by saying that. I suppose you could have watermelon ice cream. So finishing off here on the subject of the sea, nothing better than standing on the beach with a soft sand between your toes, looking out over the sea or even just down at your feet as it slaps down into the sand and you can look at the shells or you can sit down on the beach and just contemplate where you are and enjoy it. 
as everywhere in Molise. It is a walk on the wild side and you are certainly welcome to come and enjoy Molise with me and with my friends here at any time. So thank you and talk to you all again soon. Bye.